When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Things are drastically altered, and two people become lost in... Well, you hear. It'll all come out as we go along. Norma and Hal, he's Harold Glenford III, have inherited an ancient brownstone on New York's East 58th Street. Hal hasn't seen the house or the uncle who left it to him since he was a little boy. He doesn't know what to expect any more than Norma does. As they inspect the old house now for the first time... Since it became their own. Yeah, you need a machete to get through these cobwebs. Well, nobody's lived here in 10 or 15 years, you said. But it's going to be beautiful. A little belt tightening, maybe, but we can make it. <laughs> I don't advise tightening your belt. No kidding, Norma. The baby's due in April. You're going to have to stop working pretty soon. It's not going to be easy on my salary alone. Oh, nobody said it was going to be easy. And there are the ghosts, of course. Cut it out. Well, now, according to Uncle George, that's the reason nobody's been living here. The ghosts drove Uncle George himself out. That's what he said. And he couldn't keep the place rented, so he just gave up. Okay. A house like this needs a ghost. Our mystery drama, The Fatal Connection was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Field and Farrington and stars Jennifer Harmon and Nick Pryor. It is sponsored in part by True Value Hardware Stores. I'll be back shortly with Act One. Many scientists and philosophers see time as a road along which we pass, or a river along which we drift, the future waiting for us just around the bend ahead, the past obscured but not obliterated by the turn we just made. The rest of us, ordinary mortals that we are, find the moment in which we are currently trapped just about all we can handle. Norma and Hal Glenford have moved into their old house on East 58th Street. The furniture from their former three-room apartment only half fills the first floor. The second floor and the attic-like third floor will have to wait. Except, how we'll have to have a nursery. You know, our baby's bedroom. <laughs> you stand there, the living proof of it. And there's no place for it on the first floor, so we'll have to find a place on the second floor, right? Logical. Then our bedroom will have to be on the second floor, too, don't you see? I mean, we have to sleep on the same floor with the baby. Hey, you're right. I hadn't thought of it before. The back room on this floor makes a very small bedroom anyway. We could use it as a sort of, uh, well, I don't know, music room, a study or whatever. You make it sound very prosperous. You will be. Lawyers are always rich when they get a little older. I like the sound of that, Norma. doesn't make any sense, but I find the simplicity of it comforting. <laughs> well, shall we go upstairs and see what's there for a bedroom and a nursery? Okay. I'll go first and clear away the cobwebs. Oh, we'll carpet the stairway. Later, of course. When we're rich. 
Now, that's an old bedroom, as I recall. One of the doors is a linen closet. There are five doors, so that leaves just three rooms. And one more than we need. Well, this would be all right for our bedroom. It's much nicer than the little room downstairs, don't you think? Okay. Bedroom here. That takes care of us. Now about Junior. Hey, this door's locked. Well, just stuck, probably. No, it's locked. Why would anybody lock an inside door? That's odd. Where did I put that bunch of keys the lawyer gave us? In your jacket pocket, dummy. You think maybe there's a treasure hidden in that room? Or ghosts. It's been locked for a while. It's all furnished. Son of a gun. Right out of the 19th century. It looks like what used to be an upstairs sitting room or something of the kind. Oh, Hal, just look at that secretary. He must be a hundred years old, and it, it looks just as solid. Oh, my gosh, a telephone. One of those old wall phones. I, I've seen pictures of them. Shouldn't it have a crank? Oh, I'd like to furnish the whole house just like this. You know, everything to match the house itself. I wouldn't change a thing in here. Well, I could live without the cobwebs and the dust. Well, I'll speak to the upstairs maid about it. Good help is so hard to come by lately, my dear. Have you noticed? <laughs> oh, I have indeed. It's the times, I'm afraid. <laughs> Everything seems to be going to pot. What? Darling, would you believe it? The butcher today wanted 18 cents a pound for steak. Just plain old beef steak. 18 cents a pound. Well, they might as well eat at Delmonico's if it costs that kind of money to cook at home. Oh, let's show. This evening? Well, why not? I'll order a hat. <laughs> Excuse me, my dear. Operator, I'd like a handsome cab sent to 621 East 58th Street at once. At once, understand? We'll be going to Delmonico's. <laughs> Let's go back downstairs where the 20th century is and see if there are any hot dogs in the refrigerator. Uh, actually, though, I, I guess 18 cents was hard to come by in those days. It's $2 is today. Uh, not for old Grandpa Glenford, it wasn't. Great-grandpa, that would be. He was filthy rich. Was he the one who built this house? No, I don't know that he built it. He was the first Glenford to own it. Whatever happened to all that money? Gave it away. Gave it away? That's what my father told me. Maybe it was just a figure of speech. You know what we ought to have? We ought to have a bottle of champagne to break over the bow of the house. Or the stern, or whatever they break it. If houses had them. Well, now, if you look in the refrigerator, just to the right of the meat drawer, you'll find a quart of excellent domestic champagne cooling. To be taken internally, though, not broken over anything. Oh, what a doll you are. Shall we have it now? Well, I thought after dinner, but if you'd rather... What was that? Well, it sounded like somebody at the door. Well, what's the matter with the doorbell? Honey, well, I don't know. Maybe it's broken. Maybe somebody likes the knocker better. I'll see who it is. Yes? What can I do for you? Your handsome cab, sir. Or Delmonico's, I believe. It was a joke of some kind, Norma. Who played it if it was a joke? I mean, who knew you made that nutty pretend phone call upstairs? 
I don't see how it could be a choke. Well, then a coincidence. There are handsome cabs still operating over at Central Park. Oh, sure. And one of them just happened to drive all the way across town. And as long as it was in the neighborhood, the driver just thought he'd knock at our door and tell us our cab was here to take us to Delmonico's. Oh, come on, Hal. Well, okay. You explain it. I can't. That's what's bothering me. Well, you you don't think... No, you, you surely don't think... No. No, of course I don't. What did the driver say when you sent him away? Well, something about it was a funny mistake for the office to make if I didn't order a hansom. He he was grumpy about losing a fare. Did he look like a real hansom cab driver? I mean, did he, did he look like somebody you've seen driving a hansom around the park today? Or, or was he, well, you know, dressed like the real old-timey ones? I didn't really notice. Look, now, why don't we just forget him? Why don't we just have dinner? And see what's on TV and drink our champagne and go to bed. I've got to go to work in the morning, even if I do live in a mansion. <laughs> Especially since I do. Here's to great-grandfather Glenford. Look, take it easy with that stuff, will you? The bottle's half gone already. You're a novice at this, remember? And here's to handsome cab drivers everywhere. <laughs> hey, you know what we ought to do? There isn't any more champagne, if that's what you mean. I only bought one bottle. No, no. What we ought to do is something about that phone upstairs. Yeah, like have it taken out. No, I, I want to order something. A, a new dress. Something like that. I mean, if they send over cabs when you order them, why not? You'd better let me finish this bottle. Bring it upstairs. Come on. Four years it's taken me to find out I married a lush. There it is. Our fairy godmother compliments of the telephone company. <laughs> you want to go first? No, you go ahead. I'm just along for the ride. What shall I ask for? No, look, don't fool around with one dress. Ask for a whole new wardrobe. As long as you're going to be a kook, you might as well be kooky in the grand manner. You're a genius. Hello. I want a whole new wardrobe. Oh, no, no. Two wardrobes. One for myself and one for my husband. Everything in the latest style and everything must fit perfectly. Oh, and have everything finished and delivered by the time I get home from work tomorrow afternoon. Uh, that's, I guess, it for now. You want to order something, Hal? Well, sure. Why not? Here, give me that. Uh, Hello. Uh, I want the house completely redecorated. Completely. Uh, restored, I should say, exactly as it was when the place was new. And I don't mean just when you get around to it. I want that finished by tomorrow afternoon also. By the end of the working day. Thank you. <laughs> Beautiful. Let's finish this bubble water and get to bed. Hey, what do you bet you have a headache in the morning? You'd have lost that bet. No headache. All I want is a cup of coffee, though. Me too. That's all we have time for anyway. Well, pick me up after work this afternoon. Sure. I may be a little late, though. That's okay. A secretary's work is never done. So, after I spend the better part of three weeks working on this brief, and it's brilliant if I do say so myself, who do you think is going to take it into court? Mr. Fuller? Old J.C. himself. Who else? How was your day? Oh, you know. 
Once you've typed one letter, you've typed them all. You know something? We ought to walk home from my office every evening. Hold my briefcase while I unlock the door, will you? I wonder if they finished. Who finished what? The decorators, you know. You told them it had to be finished by the end of the working day. How? Now, this... This is... This is too much. I, I mean, what kind of a joke? It is, Hal. It's all been redecorated, restored. Just like you ordered Oh, Hal. Hey, where's where's our new television set? Now, 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 that, now that is going too far. That that set cost color TV. That, that was a twenty-one inch screen. But how did they do it? Who did it? I mean, I can't figure. How? What? The refrigerator's gone. Look at this thing. What is it? It's an old ice box. It's it's full of ice. I don't think you can get ice like this anymore. There's, there's something. This is all wrong, Norma. It's not a joke, is it, Hal? Nobody makes this kind of a joke. A coal range. An old coal range. My grandmother Scott had one of those out in her summer kitchen. Nobody used the things even then. The toaster, the, the blender, everything, Hal. It's all gone. That telephone. That damn telephone. It's real, isn't it? It really is real. You tell the telephone you want something and you get it. it it's like a, a like a genie in a bottle. You just order it and a, I think I'm scared. All right. All right. If it'll work one way, it ought to work the other two. In reverse. What are you going to do, Hal? Come on. I'm going up there and I'm going to tell that lousy telephone to put our own stuff back in this house and then leave us alone. That's what I'm going to do. Now, listen, you, whoever you are, I want you to Number, stop... Number, please. Number, please. Oh, my God. How? Norma. Norma, let's get out of this place. A telephone? Redecorate and completely restore a 19th century house? And all in the course of an eight-hour day? It seems impossible, doesn't it? And yet there it is. And somebody did it. For something. We'll look into it further when I return shortly with Act Two. Time. One of the many things we still don't understand about our universe. Now here, in an old house on New York's east side... Hal and Norma Glenford have found an antiquated telephone that seems to constitute some kind of flaw in what we consider the natural passage of time. At least in the incredibly short objective space of eight hours, the house has somehow become its original 19th century self. The past, if Hal and Norma can believe what they see and hear, has been trapped within its walls. The eeriness of it has sent the two of them frightened out onto 58th Street. It's so quiet out here. And so dark. I don't remember it being this dark before. Well, we haven't been around this neighborhood much at night. I guess east of First Avenue, the city just doesn't waste money on bright lights. Let's walk up that way, Hal. I just... Right now, I don't want to go back into the house. Okay. Up toward 3rd Avenue or Lex? 
You know, I don't think I ever heard New York this quiet before. East side, west side, day or night. It's, 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 it's like a tomb. How? How do you hear it? I don't hear anything, just... Now do you hear it? Well, yeah, I hear something like a... It's like a... It sounds to me like an L train. A few blocks away, like the 3rd Avenue L. Which was torn down. When? 15 years ago. Well, listen to it. Hey, this I've got to see. But how is it the old 3rd Avenue L? And that means that everything... No, listen, we don't know what it means. Some nostalgia freak with a recording, probably. Something like that. Come on, let's go see. Now, if that isn't an L stopping, I've never heard an L stopping. (laughs) You haven't in a long time. But I've heard plenty of them when I was a kid. Wait a minute, Norma. What do you hear now? A horse. Don't tell me that's not a horse. That sure sounds like one. Mounted cop, most likely, or, or maybe that same nostalgia bus. If that's a recording, then it's some recording. I've never heard a record. Now, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. That horse is no recording. It's, it's either a mounted policeman or... There's your nostalgia bus. All four hoofs. Well... Some companies must still use horses. You, you know, you know, late at night. And... It's not that late. Anyway, look what's in the wagon. I see them. Those big milk cans. They used to... Well, look, I don't know. Maybe they still use them. I'm scared. Well, it's spooky. I admit that. So still and no traffic except that, that, that horse and wagon. Well, look, Norma, there's got to be a logical explanation. I mean... If there's not, what's happened? Have, have we lost our minds? Oh, no. Well, no, 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 Norma, don't get upset. No, Hal, that's not what I mean. Look up there. Up where? At the light. The street light on the corner. It... It looks like a... It's a gas light. That's what it is. I think maybe we ought to get back to the house and, and, uh, and see if, if we can't get organized. It's back there, too, Hal. Okay. But if everything... If... Everything's gone back to the 19th century or something. Let's at least go back and face it in our own home. If we still have a home. The key seems to turn easier. What if there's somebody in there? I mean, we didn't live here and... What year do you think it is, Hal? It's... Oh, Lord, I'm so mixed up. How can it be anything but 1974? That's what it is. Oh, was or will be. Now, we've got to stop this foolishness. The first thing we need is some dinner. Maybe with some good solid food inside us, we can take a more reasonable view of this mess. I don't know how to cook on a coal range. I don't even know how to make it burn, do you? Well, we were lucky there was some stuff in the icebox already cooked. I, I wonder who cooked it. Maybe my grandmother. What do you suppose happened to them? Your great-grandmother and grandfather. Are they supposed to be living here? Are they going to come walking in and... Listen, what's that? It's that phone upstairs, Hal. You mean the one that... Oh, Lord. Let it ring, Hal. Just let it ring. I can't. If it's somebody from... Whatever year this is, I've got to talk to him, Norma. I've got to. 
All right, but I'm going with you. I put carpet on the stairway. Or had it on the stairway, whichever. Hurry up, will you? I don't want whoever it is to hang up before we get there. It's actually a new house now, isn't it? You don't see the signs of age anymore. It doesn't look like a thousand coats of paint on everything. Hello? This is Bill, Harold. Where have you been all day? Well, I practically camped outside your office all afternoon, and you never did show up. Uh, uh, who, who did you say this is? Uh, are you all right, Harold? It's Bill, Bill Voigt, your partner. Oh, yes, yes, of course. I, uh, I, I was wool-gathering. I guess you were. Listen, I've got to talk to you bright and early tomorrow morning. You're in a jam, Harold. A jam? Well, ca ca can't you tell me about it now? You'd better get in here tomorrow for your own good. It's nothing to do with me, but for your own good. Oh, well, if, uh, if it's that important... It is. It's to you, Harold, not to me. To you. All right. Th thanks for calling, Bill. What was that about a jam? He didn't say. But you want to know something weird? He thought he was talking to my great-grandfather. That man called me Harold, and that was his name. I, I, I can't remember anybody ever calling me Harold my whole life. He thought he was talking to my great-grandfather. I can't see. How did they read by these silly gaslights, anyway? There's an oil lamp right there on the desk. I, I think they used oil lamps to read by at night. The gas fixtures are all up on the wall. Well, do you know how to light one of these things amid the lamps? Well, just take the chimney off, or the glass thing. Then you hold a match to the wick like a candle. Because if this is my great-grandfather's desk, I mean, the way he left it only yesterday, I, I want to know what's in it. Is, is this what you mean by the wick? Yes. Do you think we'll ever get back, Hal? I don't know if I could stand it stuck here forever. There's no way of knowing, Norma. Everything's written in longhand. This looks like a deed of some kind. Most likely for the house. No. My gosh. What? This is a deed to an office building on Fifth Avenue. Way downtown, but that's where the action was in those days. These days. Your great-grandfather owned an office building? I told you, he was loaded. There goes that lousy telephone again. Don't answer it, Hal. Look, you can come with me. It's no good just letting it ring. It's got to be somebody important. There weren't many phones in those days. These days. Damn it. Only rich people could afford telephones. It'll just mix things up all the more, though, answering it. Look, it's our only contact the way things are. I wish. I wish. Oh, it's no good wishing. Hello. Hello. Uh, Mr. Glenford? Y yes? Uh, this is Maud Spencer, Mr. Glenford. Is Norma in? Just... Just, just a minute, I'll see. Norma. Do you know a Maud Spencer? I don't know anybody here. She asked for Norma. Norma. Now, may, maybe it's a link of some kind. You'd better talk to her. Oh, Hal, I don't want to talk on that scene. Look, this could be the breakthrough. Here, talk to her. Uh, hello? Norma, my dear. We were all expecting you at Sarah Aldrich's tea this afternoon. I do hope you're not sick. Sarah who? Aldrich. Sarah Aldrich. Well, you were invited, weren't you? Sarah said you were. 
Oh, well, yes, I, I guess I was. I, I, I mean, yes, of course I was. Well, I, I've been having these uh, spells, you know, headaches and that kind of thing. Oh, dear. No trouble about your delicate condition, I hope. Well, it, it's related, I guess. Nothing to be concerned about. I'm just supposed to get a lot of rest, you know, stay at home and take it easy. Oh, dear. Is there anything I can do? I'll come and see you tomorrow afternoon. No, no, don't do that. What? I mean, oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean it the way it sounded. All, all I meant was I, I, I'm i perfectly all right. I, I really don't need a fuss made over me or anything like that. I, it just isn't necessary. That's all I meant. Well, I'm sure I have no wish to intrude where I'm not Look, necessary. Look, I, I wish you wouldn't. Hello? Hello? She hung up. It wasn't anyone you know? No. I was supposed to have gone to Sarah somebody's tea this afternoon and didn't show up. Well, it, it, it could have been the breakthrough. One thing. Whoever was supposed to have answered this phone is called Norma. And she's pregnant. I'll tell you this. My great-grandfather was not a very popular man. How do you mean? Well, if he had any friends, they sure didn't write to him. These letters are all from people who hated his guts. Claim he stole them blind. Stole? Do you think it's true? I'm beginning to believe that old Harold Glenford Esquire was mixed up in some pretty shady enterprises. What kind of shady? Kickbacks, near extortion, character assassination, embezzlement, or something very like it. If a third of these letters are right, you name it, an old great-granddaddy Glenford was into it. Oh, that's shocking. Listen, you want to hear one? I'm not sure I do. Uh, Glenford. This guy signs himself James Blakely. Glenford. You are unfit to breathe God's pure air. The ways of God are beyond understanding, but justice is inevitable either in this world, which you befoul, or in the next, where never fear the punishment you deserve has been prepared for you. To hasten you into that world would be an act of the highest nobility. If I do not do the deed myself, rest assured that another will in good time. Wow. A sample. Only a sample. Well, what is it? Look at this. It's a... This... This is a picture of you and me. That sure is what it looks like. But in those clothes? Well, where did you get this? In this desk drawer. Look on the back. Mr. and Mrs. Harold W. Glenford on the occasion of their wedding, June 18th. 1894. And look at those signatures. Except for a couple of curly cues, they're yours and mine. I can't help it, Hal. I'm scared. I don't see how it's possible, but it must be. I have somehow become my own great-grandfather. Not only that, but you're... You're my great-grandmother. And that child you're carrying, due to be born next April is my grandfather. Paradoxical? Well, yes, of course. You presuppose paradox the moment you start moving about in time. How do you know you aren't your own great-grandfather? 
or grandmother. If tomorrow you found an old telephone in your attic, well, how do you know? I'll return shortly with Act Three. If I had my life to live over, that's not an uncommon expression. We've all heard it. But have you ever heard anyone say, if I had my great-grandfather's life to live over? That's exactly what has happened to Hal Glenford, if his conclusions are correct. He has not only gone back in time to his great-grandfather's day, but he has also taken on his great-grandfather's identity and... The wife he loves is now, as he must believe, his own great-grandmother. A situation of many complexities. Hal has broken open the strong box he found in old Harold Glenford's desk and has gone quickly through its contents. Well, there's one comfort. If we actually are my great-grandfather and grandmother, we're very rich people. What difference does that make? A lot. If we're stuck in this time. I want out, rich or not. Well, honey, so do I, of course. But there are securities and deeds in this strong box representing well over $1 million in assets. And a million dollars was really worth something in 1897. Is that when it is now? Mid-November of 1897, according to the dates on those letters I read. How can't you do something about it? What? Invent a time machine? I Look... I don't know. Maybe it'll just happen. Like the other time, only in reverse. Norma, I'm sorry. That's the best I have to offer. Meantime, I think we ought to get some sleep. Sleep? In the middle of a thing like this, sleep? Try to, anyway. I wish we had that bottle of champagne we drank last night. Oh, Lord. It wasn't last night. The grapes that went into that champagne haven't even been planted yet. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I didn't realize you had someone in your office with you. Never mind. I was just leaving. Sit down, Harold. You were uh, wise to shave off your beard. My... Uh, oh, yes. Well, my uh, my wife never really liked it, and I, I thought... Well, it served you well. Blakely didn't recognize you. Was that James Blakely? What are you talking about? You know perfectly well it was James Blakely. Uh, no, I mean, I, I had a letter from him yesterday. I could have... Uh, you, you know I could have him in court for some of the things he said? <laughs> yeah, that's rather funny, you know. You, you having James Blakely in court instead of the other way around? That's really very funny. I I don't think I, I know what you mean. Well, that seems to hear in there. I, uh, I, I want to dissolve our partnership, Harold, uh, as of this moment. Oh? Do you mind telling me why? Do you really think that's necessary? I wish you'd tell me... Oh, all right. All right. I've had my fill of being a thief's associate. Now, wait. Oh, I don't... I, I, I took my share in the beginning. You're not the only fool in the room, but I'm through with it now. And thank God I had no part in the Blakely thing. All right. Uh, uh, I was checking things over last night. I was thinking things over. Some of my business tactics have been, uh, all right, shameful. I, I admit that, but... But I decided last night to change things. I mean, no shady dealings of any kind from now on. I see. Change things. And make restitution? Well, where, where it's reasonable, where, where it's possible. Without costing you money, you mean. 
I don't believe you, Harold. Not for a minute, I don't. How are you going to make restitution to Jim Blakely? I don't... Would you mind refreshing my memory on the Blakely thing? Oh, now, really, No, Harold. I've been lately... Lately, I've been reassessing. I've been reevaluating, and 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 there are just so many details. I'd I'd just like to hear the Blakely affair clearly stated, objectively. You know. Oh, nonsense. Well, all right. If you want to hear it all over again, if you if you really want to wallow in that miserable can of worms a second time, Please. Bill, it would help me. Well, Blakely came to you in the first place, looking for a handout on the tape. Granted, I'm sure you haven't forgotten that. Uh, th- th- no. You were still under 30 at the time, but you were already under under my guidance, damn it. That's what I hate. You were already a power in the construction industry. Blakely was sure you gave kickbacks, and he wanted one. Then he was as much to blame as I if he came to me. At the time, you managed it so that you had his signature on a dozen damaging documents. And you, you never signed so much as a letter to him. You remember that. Well, you've always worked that way, and you gave him a low bid on that job, and good value, too. The State Parks Commission building, wasn't it? I, I, I don't remember. And Blakely got a promotion because of it, and another, and another, until he was made State Highways and Buildings Commissioner. It wasn't until then that you started blackmailing him. Blackmail? Well, it's, it's not an uncommon practice. Ah, to... uh-huh, and you bled him white. No more kickbacks, but every contract out of Blakely's office has gone to you for, what's it been, two years now? Well, if I put him where he is in the first place... They've caught him, Harold. He's going before a grand jury next week, and they'll indict. He's finished. There isn't a shred of evidence against you except his word, which, of course, isn't worth a tinker's damn now. You never signed a thing, did you? A man who signs damning documents is nothing more than a... A fool, like Blakely. Does that refresh your memory? It it puts things in perspective. Well, as I've told you, I'm very happy that I had anything to do with the Blakeney business. Right now, he's thinking about killing you. No, seriously. That was just what he was telling me. Oh, God. What's the matter? Nothing. I, I, uh, I, I just remembered something. I'll have to leave now. There's something I must do. But uh, before you go... About dissolving the partnership. I don't know how you feel about it, but Anything I... you say. Anything you say. It doesn't matter. We'll do it any way you like. It isn't important now. Oh? Oh, Al, I'm so glad you're home. Yeah, listen, we have to get out of here. It's so awful, Al, being in a place you're so terrified. I'm being even more terrified of leaving it. I've never in my life... Norma, before... Norma, we have got to get out of here. Out of here? Where to? I mean, all together out of this time. We've got to get back to the 20th century. How something's happened, hasn't it? No. Yes. Norma, there's no time now. Let's try the telephone again. I want to know. Tell me how. Tell me. Number, please. Listen. I want you to get off the line. Do you understand? I want you to just unplug yourself or whatever it is you do and just get off the line. Just for a minute or two. Will you do that, please? Oh, for God's sake, shut up. If you can't get off the line altogether, at least shut up. Don't talk. All right. Listen, you, whoever you are, we have had enough of this nonsense. We want to go back to the 20th century, and we want to go back now. You're the one who got us into this mess. Now get us out of it. Do you hear me? Number, please. Yeah. Oh, what are you doing? Pulling 
the wires out of the wall. Can't you see? I'm trying to get the lousy telephone back the way it was when we first moved in here. All right. Can you hear me? You in there in your damn stupid telephone? I want you to put us back. Do you hear me? We didn't ask to be brought here. We're not responsible for anything that happened before we got here. We want to go back. You can't punish me for something my great-grandfather did. Do you hear me? All right, don't answer. You don't have to answer. Just do it. I don't know what else I can do. How oh, the phone isn't hooked up. You pulled the wires out of the wall. It wasn't hooked up before when all this started. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it'll get us out of here before... Before what, Hal? Okay. Come on downstairs. I guess you'll have to know. And he's threatening to kill me. Blakely is. That's what my great-grandfather's esteemed partner told me this morning. Well, then what are we sitting here for? We have to get out of this house. It won't do any good, Norma. It will. There must be a thousand places to hide. You're, you're just a, a, a sitting duck here. No, there's no hiding place but the 20th century. Back where we're really Hal and Norma Glenford. There's, there's, there's no hiding place at all in this century. I just don't know what you're talking about. The thing is, I remember now. I remembered while I was sitting there in Boyd's office. Remember what? I remembered hearing my grandfather. Was he my grandfather or my son? I, I, I remember when I was just a little boy hearing my grandfather telling my father about it. About what, Hal? My great-grandfather was shot to death by a business associate. By a man he'd cheated, ruined. That's what my grandfather told my father. All right, all right. That was your great-grandfather. But it's already happened. To whichever one of us was here, it's already happened. It can't be changed. I don't believe any of that. I, I don't. I want you to do something. I've done all I can do. It's up to that, that, that telephone upstairs. Maybe if we just sit here and, and think 20th century, it'll work. Close our eyes and, and just know we're in the 20th century. Listen for auto horns. Think about the Pan Am building. Try to decide what we'll watch on TV later. Breathe the polluted air. Mightn't it work, Hal? It couldn't hurt. Close your eyes. That'll be Blakely. Don't answer it. Do you think I'm crazy? Now listen to me. If, if he's got a gun, he can get at us through the front window. I want you to head for the coat closet as fast as you can and get in there and stay in there until I tell you to come out. Have you got that? Yes. Norma, get in the closet. No. Not as long as you... Get down, Norma. Get down on the... How? How? Don't... Don't move, Norma. He may still be out there. How you... You're bleeding. I am. I don't feel anything. But I can't seem to... All over your shirt. I'm going to call an ambulance. Now, don't move. I'll be right back. Don't move. I can't. I can't call an ambulance. I, I pulled the wires out. Remember? I'll, I'll go out, Hal. There must be a cop or something. I'll go, Norma. Please. It, it wouldn't do any good. It's already happened. But I can't just... I'm, I might... Not be here when you get back. Oh, well. 
I want... I want to tell you something important. All right. The, the kid. Next April. I'll... I'll name him Harold and... And I'll call him Hal. No. <laughs> Anything but that. Anyway. His... His name was Edward. My grandfather. Hal, don't you think I ought... No. No, tell... Tell Edward. Tell him... When he's old enough, understand? Tell him, get rid of the money. All of it. Dirty, filthy, dirty money. Justice must be served. That goes without saying. But... How many times? It's unlikely, of course, that anyone listening to me at this moment will ever find himself unexpectedly living in the 19th century. But just in case, how much do you really know about your great-grandfather? I'll be with you again in a few minutes. Edward Glenford, Norma's baby, was born in April 1898 and lived a long and, in some respects, fruitful life. He never made much money, but he gave away several millions of dollars, according to the instructions left by his father. But was it his father or his grandson who gave him those instructions? I leave you to puzzle it out for yourself. Our cast included Jennifer Harmon, Nick Pryor, Robert Maxwell, and Joan Shea. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of our next tale. Well, that's exactly what I've come to talk with you about, Arthur. Your niece. Oh? Something important? Very. I'd asked Amelia to marry me, and she said she would. Oh, no. I've never lied to you, Arthur, and there's certainly no reason for you to... Don't be a fool, Gerald. I didn't mean that Amelia had turned you down. Of course, she accepted you. I don't understand. Uh, I know, and I'm reluctantly forced to explain. When you hear why, you won't want to marry Amelia. Impossible. There's nothing you can say about Amelia that would make me love her any less. She's the perfect woman. She's not a woman. What did you say? I said Amelia is not a woman. She's a robot. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams. <laughs>